Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast. Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, your online resource for parenting complex kids. And I am really excited to introduce you today to Jane Massengill, whom I've known for a few years now. Jane, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. You glad to be here. So let me tell you about Jane. I have fangirled over Jane a little bit, so I'm really thrilled to have her here with us. She is a licensed clinical social worker, a master certified coach. She specializes in working with adults and young adults with, with ADHD and has a private practice in Danville, California, which for those of you like me who don't know, that's Northern California. Um, and she works with people around the globe, really to bring out the best in themselves. She started her work in uh, Dr. Daniel Amon's clinic in Fairfield, California, and did that for many years and then went back and became certified by the Coaches Training Institute as a coach and uh, got her master certified coach credential through the ICF. And what I know her for in my fangirl history with her is in addition to all of this amazing work she's been doing for the last couple of decades as a coach, she is the director of the Gremlin Taming Institute, where she teaches workshops and teleclasses on the Gremlin Taming Method. And um, it's a mindfulness practice that is an extraordinarily helpful tool for helping people with and without ADHD to navigate all of the challenges um, that happen in our lives, from the logistical challenges of finding your toothbrush to just sort of like finding peace in your everyday life. And I'm a huge fan of this whole notion of understanding and recognizing and managing our gremlins. And so um, it's a true honor to have her here today. So Jane, welcome. Thank That's you for great. being here again. Thanks. And we are going to talk today about parenting difficult kids, mm-hmm. right? We were going to talk a little bit about beliefs and payoffs and but really, as we've sort of bottom-lined it, it's, you know, those of us who are raising kids with ADHD or not, or all the other issues that come along with it, it's not easy when our kids have complex issues. Mm-hmm. So start us off. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah, well, it's not easy, period, <laughs> having kids and, and raising them, as we all know. I mean, it sounds really good when you're pregnant, you know, and you're, you're thinking about the whole process, but, you know, conflicts stuck, come up all the time. Pretty early. Yeah, really early. In fact, yeah. 
about that. I mean, my first conflict was really when I was pregnant with my first child, and I was thinking, "Geez, you know, I I, I think we're probably going to have we're probably going to have a little uh, a little." Well, my husband thought we we're going to have a girl, and uh, so I thought, "I don't know." We didn't dis- we didn't want to I didn't want to know. He was an OBGYN. He actually thought he knew uh, <laughs> until our son came out, and my husband said, "I, I really thought it was a girl." <laughs> <laughs> They surprised us from the very beginning, didn't they? Surprised us from the very beginning. Well, and as you were saying it a minute ago, I was thinking, I I talk about in terms of sepia-tinted images, right? When we're pregnant, we have these sepia-tinted images of running along the beach, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then real life hits. Exactly, exactly, yeah. But from every one of our experiences that we have, we create a belief about how things are supposed to be. And those experiences start from the moment we come out of the womb. And so they, they begin, those experiences happen for our kids. But as parents, they also happen for us and have been happening our whole lives. But the li- life doesn't always follow those, those same things that we think are going to happen. So we have to adjust with them. But if we don't adjust to them, then we're going to make ourselves really miserable. And that's where this thing, actually, the gremlin comes in. Your gremlin is a, a term coined by Rick Carson, who wrote a wonderful book, Taming Your Gremlin. Love it method for getting out of your own way. Rick is a fellow social worker and coach and just an awesome guy. I'm incredibly grateful for the work that he's brought to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, gremlin's job, your gremlin's intention is to keep you mired in these old beliefs, these old ideas and ways of being. And as a result of that, you don't grow. And, mm-hmm. you don't, and not only that, you don't get in touch with your own inner voice, which is vital to making decisions and staying in the moment and working with and being with whatever is right in front of you right now in this moment. So if it's a complex situation going on at home, if you're thinking about, well, it's not supposed to be this way, then you're not present to what's going on in terms of how to access your own skill set and your own gifts and your own wisdom to deal with what's going on right in front of you. So we have these beliefs that we bring to whatever the dynamic is, and this gremlin voice, this notion in our mind is we have to keep it as it is. This is how it's supposed to be or should be, that mm-hmm. we have these expectations that we bring to whatever the dynamic is. Yeah. And as long as we are listening to that voice, we're stuck in the dynamic. Yes, exactly. And we don't necessarily, most of the time, we don't know we're listening to that voice. It's so unconscious. Right. It's so ingrained. It's so, it's so deeply intertwined with who we think we are. It's not who we are, though. You know, we're this dynamic person who is, you know, being, who is always evolving. So, and so are our kids, you know. Right. I don't know about you, but I can vividly remember just when I got done with this one parenting book, you know, and I started to get some stuff down in that parenting book, my kids would grow. And, and then get older, it's like, God bless it, you know, now I've got to go, go to a different parenting book, and those things don't work anymore. Nope. It's similar. It's similar to that, only not paying attention. If we, if we stayed stuck on that first parenting book, and I, I'm imagining everybody listening can relate to this, if we stay stuck on that first parenting book, we're going to run into problem after problem. You can't give a 16-year-old a time out. You know, it just doesn't work anymore. Not effectively, no. <laughs> When my kid got taller, my oldest got taller than I was, and I'll never forget it. I thought, oh, I remember looking in his eyes and we had some conflict going on. And I thought, oh, man, right now it has to change, Jane, because you cannot parent him the way you did yesterday because he's now 
looking at me at eye level. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's a, a wake-up call. But what I love about what you just said was that you, your aha was that you had to change. Your approach had to change. It wasn't he's got to change this behavior. The recognition was you're the one that had to change how you were approaching him. Oh, yeah, yeah, because we're the locus of control when it comes right. to change. You know, nobody can, we can't change anybody else. And I think that that's a, that's a belief, a parenting belief that people, many of us get really stuck on until we recognize that you just can't change other people. So if you're trying to get your, you know, your child to do the changing, uh, it's going to happen only maybe if you do the changing yourself first and, and that will then instill change. Well, and that doesn't mean you can't help your child grow, right? And I often say you can't control what happens. You can control how you respond. Absolutely. And, and when you respond differently, that's what helps your child grow and learn from an experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. The benefit of being a social worker is it was just so ingrained in me that, you know, a family is a system. Change mm -hmm. any one part of the system is going to influence change in the other part of the system. And that's just, it's an, that's an important thing to remember as a parent and in a family. Yeah. So that's a very empowering thing that you just said is that we as parents actually can make a difference and change the dynamic in the home. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. with difficult kids. Yeah. Yeah. Not only in the home, but for generations. For generations, which to me is like the really important reason why it's vital to pay attention to things we say to our kids and how we show up because they're going to act. They're going to take with them what they liked and what they didn't like. They're also going to take with them things that are probably unconscious ways of parenting their own kids. And some of those unconscious ways are pretty harmful. You know? mm -hmm. so, I mean, I could give you lots of stories. We don't have time to go into that now, but you can do some damage if you're not paying close attention. So this is a sort of a call for really being conscious about not just what we say, but how we say it. Absolutely. And even when you screw up, because we all do it and we're going. To. Yeah. We're all human. I can so often remember times when words were coming out of my mouth and I was just kind of going, I would bring them back into me. <laughs> oh, Please God. let me not say what I'm saying right oh, now. God, I can't believe I just said that. So <laughs> it says something a lot to your children about just teaching them about our own humanity and their own humanity to go, hang on, let me take a deep breath. I kind of screwed that one up. Let's do a, re a redo and let's redo that situation again. I'm sorry. I didn't do my best work as a parent. Um, and I've done that many times. And it's Me too. Yeah. Well, the transparency of it not only um, humanizes you in their eyes, but it, it teaches them to take responsibility for their mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Right? In yeah. a very human way. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to really pay attention to your, to your beliefs and things like, you know, just kind of pay attention to things, especially when there's conflict. When there's conflict, it's almost always, and I mean conflict, you know, between you, you and your son or your daughter, there's almost always something you have at stake that you're holding on to, something that's important to you. And um, so notice the conflict. And then the first question would be to ask yourself, well, what's at stake? What's important to me here that I'm not getting or that, that isn't happening in this encounter? So take it to the next step. So this notion of being attached, right? And I often talk about in terms of it's our agenda. When you notice that you have an agenda, whether it's your kid finishing their homework or, you know, studying for a test or doing a chore or going to a practice, whatever it is, when it's your agenda, uh -huh. right? And it's therefore it's not theirs. Yes. 
and you're holding tight to it, what is the process of letting go of that? Yeah, in my family, we, uh, we kind of used to, we called it letting things visit for a while. Like uh, when our kids didn't want to eat vegetables or a certain kind of a vegetable, we would say, just put it on your plate and let it visit. And then we'd do this little thing, just let your mind, open your mind to it. You know, I have this little image of your brain opening up here at the top of your head. My kids were raised with the whole Amen method. Uh, so they know a lot about the brain, which is kind of fun. But so just let it visit, let the idea visit and uh, simmer with it a little bit. So that gives you that opportunity to kind of sit and adjust and stand back and ask yourself, what's important to my child about their stance? Not just what's important to me about my stance, but what's important to them about their stance. And what happens to them if I don't shift mine? So let's take a dynamic like doing your homework, all right? Or doing a particular homework assignment. Let's just talk about doing the math homework. Okay, okay. Right, really taking aim. So I'm attached because my kid is in ninth grade and has a low D and is at risk of failing. And all he's got to do is turn in his homework Uh and he won't fail the class. Uh Okay, Okay. that's my perspective as a parent. Okay, okay. What's what's, uh, What's at stake if your kid, from your perspective, what's at stake if your kid doesn't do that homework? He's going to fail. His math class. And if he fails his math class, what's at stake then? Uh, he's never going to make it in his life. Oh. Is one way, I'm, one message I'm telling myself, <laughs> right? Okay. He's, he's never going to make it. He's going to live on my couch when he's 30. Okay. Right. And then the other is he doesn't care and he's never going to learn to care and he's never going to be able to get himself going. And then another one I hear is, and then now he's going to have to do summer school. Okay. Right. So the immediate fear is it's going to impact life. Okay negatively, or he's not going to graduate on time or something more immediate. And then there's this long-term fear of what does that mean for his life? Uh Sort of the uh, going to the catastrophic, like he's never going to figure it out. Exactly. Never going to become anybody, you know. And he's never going to care about his life. Never. Because he doesn't care about math, turning in his math homework. Okay. Okay. So first of all, it starts with noticing, let's take how many of those beliefs are actually, have the potential to be valid. So- Mm -hmm. He's never gonna. He's never gonna care. How caring is your son? Right. Well, he cares a lot about people. He, his friends. He cares about animals. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So right. there may not be anything that's quite that's fully true about that particular stance that you have. Great. Okay. So let's just set that one aside for a minute because that's probably not completely valid. It may be a way that you're scaring yourself. Uh, around it. It may be a way that uh, uh, one of the gremlin techniques, your own gremlin technique to hold you in that stance. Uh, right. So, and that's what we're wanting to do here. Just want to notice these things and ask ourselves how, what's real about this and what isn't real about it. So um, what was one of the other ones? He's not, he's going he's gonna, to, so he's not going to graduate high school on time. He's going to have to do summer school and he's okay. going to fail that. And then he's not going to graduate high school. Okay. So will failing one class keep him from failing high school completely at this point? I don't know. Okay. Okay. So that's a possibility mm-hmm. if you fail a whole bunch of classes. Right. Right. At this point, has he failed any other classes? No, but he's, he's, he's at risk of all of them. He's at risk of all of them. Okay. Okay. So what would be the lesson for him if he did fail this? That's a great question. So what I often hear from parents is, I don't think he cares. He wouldn't learn anything from it. Okay. Are you willing to test that? I don't know that I have a choice. Mm. Okay, so let's hold on to that. Now let's take it from a child's perspective. So there he is trying to, uh, there he is. There's a 
piece of homework that he has to finish or something he has to turn in, what's at, what's, what's at stake for him? I don't know. I don't know that he cares about it at all. Hmm. Okay. So how would you find that out? So I don't know that he would talk to me about it, Okay. but I could try. If you put yourself in his shoes, let's put yourself in his shoes for a minute. And there you are uh, having to do this homework assignment. What are you thinking about at his age? What do you imagine you're thinking about? Well, I imagine that he really doesn't care about it at all. And he probably doesn't think he's good at it. Oh, oh okay. Right. So in his shoes, I'm not good at this. So therefore, I don't care about it. Yeah. Or saying I don't care about it keeps me from admitting that I'm not good at it. Yeah. Okay. So right. And he doesn't, so he doesn't want to fail. He doesn't want to fail. Oh, can't blame him. I don't like no. it either. Yeah. So from that perspective, what's at stake if he does this homework assignment? You know, if I sort of step out of this for a minute, Jane, and step back into to my role, and it's sort of fun to be in this reverse role with you, of sort of role-playing what I hear from clients a lot. I have this memory of my daughter saying to me once, don't you see, Mom, if I don't do it, then I haven't done it wrong. Yeah, yeah there you go. Right. Risk. But it's really bringing the conversation to what their perspective is, I think, is such a powerful tool. Yeah, because now we're down to the brass tacks. Now we really have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. So there's no more idea about what you're supposed to be doing in your own head as a parent, what your child's supposed to be doing. But now you're right in front of your parents. So you've, you've taken the beliefs and you're able to sit them aside and your thought process. You're able to just set them aside for a moment and then come back and be with your child and find out, okay, what's it like being in this person's shoes? So you still want, the child, you still want your child to finish this project. Right. They may or may not. But what's going to be different going forward for you as a parent? Well, I think that, that the difference is that ability for a parent to look, at, look through the lens of the child's perspective mm-hmm. and to have some understanding. And, you know, the way we would talk about it is, is acknowledgement and compassion. Mm, yeah. Is to really recognize and acknowledge what their experience is yeah. so that you can help them learn to navigate. Yeah and let it become their agenda. Yeah, yeah. I hear from so many adults that I work with that were not diagnosed until adulthood, oftentimes 40s, 50s, even 70s sometimes, you know, that if my parents only knew what it was like being, yes. then I would not be in this place right now with right. the loss of jobs over and over, you know, failed relationships or whatever. And some of those things may have happened anyway, so I'm not putting any, any blame on parents. But what, what kids want their parents to know, I really do believe this, is what it's like being them. Exactly. Be- exactly. It's funny because the reason I do the work that I do is because I don't want any kid to ever grow up feeling the way I felt because I wasn't diagnosed till I was 40. Mm. And I was sort of an uber achiever on the one hand, but the anxiety and the stress and the, like, the lack of self-belief yeah. was palpable, yeah. right? And I've had conversations with my mother about it, interestingly enough, because I don't want her to feel guilt yeah. because I wasn't diagnosed, because who knew back then? Of course. Right? Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, truly, it wasn't until the late 80s that adult ADHD was ever even discussed, talked, I mean, diagnosed. No, no. By which point, I was long out of college, right? Yeah. So we need to stop for a minute because we are over time. But, and so I want to let people find out more about how to find you. So our guest today is Jane Massengill. Jane, how can they find you and, and where would you direct them to find um, out more about you? Visit my website, janemassengill.com. That's J-A-N-E. 
M-A-S-S-E-N-G-I-L-L.com. And you can click on it, of course, from your bio on the website. And you can find more about the Gremlin Institute as well on impactadhd.com and all kinds of other resources. So we're sort of, we're at the end of our conversation. How do you want to wrap this up for people? What's the takeaway or the final message you would like people to leave with today? If you don't have one, here's what I would recommend having one is have a parent journal for yourself. Just have a, have a place to keep track of things that you're noticing about you as a parent. Um, good and bad, you know, so you're, the things you want to celebrate. I do this exercise with my clients at the end of every year, you know, our Yahoo Boohoo Toodaloo list. And um, so maybe it's a place to celebrate your, you know, celebrate things you feel real good about as a parent and, and the boohoo, things you don't feel so good about as a parent you want to work on. Uh, and the Toodaloos, things you want to let go of, things you want to maybe beliefs you want to let go of or ways of doing something that you really want to let go of. It's a powerful exercise. Um, I love it. Celebrate boohoos and toodaloos. We teach it as what worked, what didn't work, and what would you do differently. But I love yours better. (laughs) (laughs) For 20 years, we've been doing them. Um, They've been a lot of fun. Yahoo, boohoo, and toodaloo. Awesome. That is a perfect way to close this conversation about how to parent difficult kids. Thank you again for being here. I'm really grateful. You're welcome. My pleasure. My honor. Really, you do such great work, Elaine. I'm, uh, uh, I love sending people to see what you're up to and to take the pearls of wisdom that you have to offer. And I know it comes from such a beautiful place in your heart. So thank you for your service. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I really appreciate that. So our guest today has been Jane Massengill. She is a clinical social worker, a master coach, and the director of the Gremlin Taming Institute, where she teaches workshops and teleclasses on the Gremlin Taming Method, which I was one of the first things I was introduced to as a coach, so I'm a big fan. And we've been talking about parenting difficult kids. You can find out more about her on the website at Impact ADHD and so many other articles and interviews and resources as well about parenting difficult kids. I want to thank you all for tuning in, for being here, for the work that you're doing with your kids and for making a difference in your lives and their lives. And we will talk to you next time. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.